0: And we're back again Welcome to the Elevate Podcast I'm your host Sherman Jones And we're back at it again When I say that and we're back I sometimes feel like Chance the Rapper Just uh, less swaggy and with less money But hey, that's how I feel Um, got Got some good topics today To discuss with you guys Um we start off with the March Madness again. Uh a lot of crazy things happen. Like Oregon going to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh Duke having a close game with UCF. Uh, Virginia almost losing in the first round again. But again, they're 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 in the Sweet Sixteen. Um I had LSU losing early but because of the coach not being there, but I never said they weren't a good team and, and uh they're they're doing their thing. Um so the four teams that I picked to get to the final four, as you guys heard in the last episode, was uh, North Carolina, Tennessee, Duke, and Gonzaga. Those four teams are still in. Um, so with those four teams, I still have Tennessee beating North Carolina, and then I have Gonzaga beating Duke, and Gonzaga beating Tennessee to cut down the nets. But while we're on, on March Madness, um, after watching you know Duke the whole year, and especially watching the game against UCF, Duke could have easily lost that game. Um, that last play, well, the second to last play when um, Zion Williamson got got Taco to foul out, the big fella, the seven six fella to foul out. That could have easily been an offensive foul on Zion Williamson on the initial catch. But of course, are you going to tell Coach K that you're going to call a foul on Zion at that moment? No, I think not. But either ways, he pushed off. No, no, no! Call was called. He went to the basket, uh, got the n one, with taco, taco falls out. Um, dude wins the game. But before that happened, um, UCF was up four on a fast break, and it kind of like what coaches always teach us: make the simple play. If now I know that that was maybe a simple play for some college athletes to throw the lob. And get the dunk. Now, if they had made that dunk, they go up six right there. And Duke has to, he had to force Duke to to shoot threes to win the game. But instead, they they threw the lob. The lob was mishandled. Duke gets a turnover. Cammeridge comes hit a three. Bam. A five point swing. Two points could have been awarded to UCF. They missed the, the dunk attempt, the lob attempt. Duke comes down. Reddish, three. Bam. Now, was that a bad play? Could he have made a simple bounce pass and maybe got a lib or got fouled? Hey, change his own. They threw the lob and that's what happened. Uh, that happened to me in high school before. We were playing against A Leaf Taylor and we were up in the fourth quarter and we got a break. And I remember Larry Davis running behind me, and Larry you know Larry got bounced. He he points his fingers up, so I threw off the glass and Larry catches it and he mishandles it so he doesn't get the dunk. And Coach Carter took me out, screamed at me, everything. So in that instance, learning from that, I would do some bounce pass because uh, even though Larry was calling for it, calling for the lob, threw it off the backboard. Everything was great till he missed ball. He mishandled miss- it and ball with the ball. So make the easy play and leads to a win. But even still, um, I got five things that I feel would help take Duke down because, as of right now, they're the heavy favorites to win the NCAA championship. Um, Number one, a team that's going to beat Duke has to have two pros on it. And when I say pros, I mean two NBA players, okay? Not overseas players or not four-year college players that, you know, go play in Serbia or something. When I say pros, I mean two NBA players on it. So if your team got two NBA players on it, you got a shot, okay? This team has to be able to play a disciplined zone. The Duke Blue Devils are too good um, for teams to try to play a man-to-man. It's not going to work. They're going to beat you off the bounce, or they're going to drive and kick, and those those shots are easier to make than stand still shooting shots in the zone, Okay? Now, to piggyback off that play discipline zone, um, item number three is you have to make Duke try to beat you from the outside. UCL did a great job of that, uh, baiting Trey Jones into shooting threes. Um, he made a couple timely ones, but for the most part, he wasn't able to connect on those three-point shots. So I think that if you pack it in in your zone and you make them try to beat you from the outside, you have a, a great shot. Okay, Uh, A team that's going to be Duke also has to have bulk inside. Now, that doesn't mean block a lot of shots. That just means have a big guy inside that's bulky enough to to get rebound positioning. And when Duke drives to the basket, just play with your hands up. You can jump with your hands up just to make them shoot over you, uh, make them go through you. Um, But don't try to swat at everything. Taco played a great game, but most of his fouls were like that. He went straight up, but then he'll he get his hand caught by swiping down or things like that. So if you have bulk inside and they're driving, you know, two hands up, keep your position, jump straight up, make them shoot over you. Lastly, you have to limit Duke's transition buckets because those will get the team, This will get the teams excited. Get the team excited. Um, Those transition buckets usually lead to Zion Williams and Dunks. Um, But R.J. Barrett is a a sneaky freak athlete as well. So if you get those guys in transition, it's going to be curtains. So you have to limit their transition buckets. What that means is take care of the basketball. Um, If you do have turnovers, you have to have dead ball turnovers, um, not live ball turnovers. Um, It's a lot of... These teams that are advancing in the tournament has excellent guard play. That's one of the, the recipes to win in the tournament. You have to have excellent guard play. Take care of the ball, get timely buckets, or even take over a game. As a guard, if you have guards, it's crazy. Now, the thing with that is there's guards on every level from um, Division I AA, Division I schools, and SFA, wherever. The guard play, that you can get killed by any guard. The bigs kind of differ because at an SFA, their big may be 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, compared to at a power five school, their bigs are 6'9", 6'10", 6'11". So the bigs differ, but the guard play, you can get killed by any guard. All these guards can play, but the most efficient guards and the one who lead their team and take care of the ball are the ones that's gonna advance in the tournament. So again, my five things, that I think that if a team can do all five, not four, all five, they could beat Duke is they have to have two NBA players on their team, two NBA prospects on their team. Um, Play disciplined zone. And while you're playing that zone, you have to make Duke try to beat you from the outside. You can't have holes in your zone. And by playing a zone, it's also supposed to help you rebound because you got all the guys already in the paint when the shot goes up. But it has to be discipline. You have to have discipline to know your zone and and don't get out of character and try to go for crazy steals and get out of position and then those dunks come. Right? You have to have bulk inside and you have to limit transition buckets. Right? Okay. Now, a lot of times when I discuss the Houston Rockets, we're going to the NBA now. A lot of times when I discuss the Houston Rockets, um, people get mad at me and they say, oh, man, you just don't like the Rockets. Oh, you know, you a hate on the Rockets. No, it's not that. It's just sometimes I feel like, and I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and I don't even do this, but I feel like sometimes um, Houston Rockets fans, they, I don't know, they, they think of the unimaginable and think it's going to happen just because James Harden is balling. Every year, oh, we're going to beat this team, we're going to do this. Most Houston Rockets fans, not all, do that. I don't like that part. But anyways, so I was telling some guys the other day, I have the Rockets losing early in the playoffs, and boss. When I say losing early, I mean not making it back to the Western Conference Finals. And of course, you're gonna you're gonna uh, receive some backfire. You gonna you gonna you going some backlash. I'm sorry, you gonna receive some backlash for saying something like that, especially after they were up three two to Golden State last year. Chris Paul gets hurt. Golden State wins the last two games, and boom. That's history. But the reason why I say that is because while James Harden is balling and James Harden is an alien, like I said, he's not human. Um, his usage rate is very, very high, very, very high. And if you go over, there's two reasons why I said not going to make it past the second round. They can be they can lose in the first round, but I don't think that's why I say pass the second round. The first reason is James Harden's usage rate is very, very high. Yes, he's balling. Yes, he's averaging 36 points a game. Yes, he has all those 50 point games, what have you. He has all of that. Yes, he does. Cool. But if you take a look at history, and these are facts, it's not opinion. If you take a look at history, James Harden this year is in the top five usage percentage in a single season by a player right those other four instances were Russell Westbrook in 2016-2017 Kobe Bryant in 05-06 Russell Westbrook again in 2014-2015 and Michael Jordan in 86-87 right so the person with the highest usage rate which is Russell Westbrook in 2016-2017 his usage rate was 40% he lost in the first round James Harden falls in this season at number two with 39.6%, which is basically 40, but we don't know what his playoff results is going to be. I say lose before the second round. Okay, Kobe Bryant, 2005-2006, his usage rate was 38.7% lost in the first round. Westbrook again, 2014-2015, his usage rate was 38.4%. He didn't make the playoffs. And Michael Jordan, you know, you guys' is all-time favorite, your GOAT, in 1986-87, his usage rate was 38.3%. He lost in the first round. So, out of all these guys, not including Harden's there, but he hasn't had his playoffs yet, they either lost in the first round, or didn't make the playoffs. Okay? Now, I even gave Harden the benefit of the doubt until they lose in the second round. Because, which gets me to my second point. As of right now, the Rockets currently sit in the fourth seed. That's a second-round matchup with the Golden State Warriors, who sit in the one seed. Hmm? Hmm. Now, do I expect the Rockets have seven games left? Do I expect the Rockets to keep playing? Absolutely. But Steve Kerr is on record saying that he's valuing health, Uh, Overseeding, so the Warriors are currently tied for first, but they're they got a tiebreaker, so they're in first. Now let's say that the Rockets keep winning, and the Warriors start resting. The Rockets have seven games left. The Warriors have nine. Let's say that they start resting, blah blah blah, and let's say that the Warriors end up with the two seed, and the Rockets, who are currently tied for third, but Portland has a trail. The Portland Trailblazers have the tiebreaker are currently in third. So if the Rockets pass the Blazers and the Warriors drop to second and if the Nuggets win the, the division. I mean, I'm sorry, win the conference. You still got a second round matchup with the Golden State Warriors. So, hmm, we'll see how that turns out. Um, but this usage rate is a big thing because um, if you follow the Rockets or, or watch basketball, if you just didn't become a fan last season, you know that James Harden has had trouble in the playoffs before. And I believe a lot of that is because he's tired. He spent all season. James Harden plays a lot of games. He doesn't miss too many games. So he's usually playing at least 78, 79 games or all 82. So with that being said, he gets fatigued in the playoffs and the games are, are, are more gutted out. They're closer games. Um, execution matters more, and he's had those mental lapses before. Now he does have Chris Paul, which he didn't have in previous years, uh, preceding last year. So maybe Chris Paul can carry you to a couple, a couple of wins. Maybe he has the, the the talent to do it. He has the ability to do it. He has the history of doing it. But if you're looking for James Harden to lead you to the promised land, based on these usage stats that are facts. I don't believe it's going to happen. And then, if he does play well, he has to meet those mom stars from Oracle in the second round, more than likely, either as the 4C playing the one or the 2C playing the three. Now, let's say that the Rockets decide not to play as much and they drop to the fifth seed. They will still play the Clippers in the first round, who is currently five, or the Jazz that may catch them. So, the 4 or 5 matchup, if the Rockets are fifth, they still beat the. The the first round the first round matchup, they'll still win they still play Golden State if they're number one, so you look it's looking like they're going to play Golden State in the second round, and this year the Rockets won't have home court advantage like they did last year, so even though it didn't matter because the Warriors still won Game Seven in Houston, um it's a different ball game plus they had a boogie whatever, but speaking of those um Golden State Oracle monsters. Um, I have four ways to beat them as well. Just like I had five ways to beat Duke, I got four ways. Actually, I got five ways that you have to beat Golden State. And again, these are factual ways to beat Golden State. This isn't opinion. These are things that have happened in order for Golden State to lose a series. They've only lost one series um, in the last four seasons. So you know where I'm going with that, right? But anyways, if a team wants to beat Golden State... They have to play defense. You have to hold them to under 100 points three times and win the game. The reason why I say and win the game is because Golden State is one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. They have been for years, but it's not talked about because they score so many points. So if you're able to hold them to under 100 points, they may be able to be, hold, be able to hold you to under 100 points and still win the game. So you have to be able to hold them to under 100 points and win three times in a series. Okay. Now, my second way to beat them, and you have to do all five of these things. Again, like I said with Duke, you have to do all of them. You can't do one, two and four. You got to do them all. So number two, you have to have one game of two players get an efficient 40 plus. Efficient 40 plus. Okay, Efficient. You have to have two players. Together, averaging 60 to 65 points. Okay? That's the third point. 60 to 65 points. It can be 30 and 30. It can be 25, 35, whatever. But you got to have two players that average from 60 to 65 in the series to beat them. Point number four. You got to beat them up. Make the game dirty. Not dirty, but make the game tough. Uh, A lot of foul calls. Like, make them feel you every time they cut. Because they do a lot of cut, a lot of picking, a lot of things like that. Just hit them a couple of times. Make them feel you. Let them know you're there. Okay? And the fifth point is you have to make Steph Curry play defense. You have to make Steph Curry play defense. That means Chris Paul, you got to come with it. Or if you get Chris Paul and James Harden set of screens, or like James Harden guarding having the ball and you having Chris Paul set the screen with Steph Curry guarding him, you gotta make Steph Curry play defense. That's that's the five keys to beating them. I would add a six, but I don't want to go there. So those those five ways. Hold him to under 100 points three times in the in the series and win the games. Uh one game of two players get an efficient forty plus. Two players have to average 60 to 65 points together in the series, beat them up, and make Steph Curry play defense. Those are the five keys. Now, that kind of seems doable. I mean, the Rockets had a good run last year with them. It seems kind of doable. But you you got to do it that way. Now, stopping them completely isn't going to work. But there's ways to do it. I've never seen James Harden be stopped as much as I did when I watched him play the Bucks last night. So, if James Harden can be stopped to a certain degree or simmered down, then the Warriors can't be too. Okay? Now, what is going on with Big Baller Brand? As you guys know, may know, there's a report that the co-founder, Mr. Allen Foster can account for 1.5 million of Alonzo Ball's money. Okay. And it's crazy because when you look at the reports and people saying certain things, they bring up Mr. Foster's criminal past. Now I'm not upset with LeVar Ball for uh, entrusting in this um, man to help with the business Because a lot of times in the African-American neighborhoods, we have a friend who's who's been through some trouble um, with the law and whether it's their fault, not their fault or system, whatever it could be. A lot of times in the the African-American community, when your friend gets out. You feel as though they're rehabilitated and you try to lend a helping hand. So. I don't I wouldn't get upset with LeVar Ball for lending a helping hand to his friend. But the thing that trips me out is if this man and I hate to bring up his criminal past, but it is what it is. He served time for mail fraud and money laundering. So if that's the case, why did LeVar Ball put him? In charge of the money. Now, get what I'm saying. I'm all okay with helping your re, your re, re, rehabilitated brother that you think is re, rehabilitated with, you know, getting his feet, get back on his feet, and you got a business, you're helping out with the business, blah, 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 blah. But that doesn't mean to put him in charge of something that he just served time for. And then another thing with LeVar Ball, because now they say that, the, that Lonzo Ball... Then got the the Big Baller brand tattoo removed from his arm. Or he got it covered. He threw away his shoes. Uh, He's thinking about going to Nike. He's uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff. He's not talking to his father. He got uh, LaMelo and LeAngelo not talking to the dad. So for that sake, I just hope that in the long run, they can make up as a family so they can have their dad around. But on the business aspect, one of the things that tripped me out the most is, according to reports... Lonzo Ball found out about this $1.5 million not being accounted for, and he told his dad so his dad could take care of it. And his dad didn't even look into it until recently. So if you know your seasons, let's say in the fall, let's say about October, November-ish, he told his dad. Okay, That means that the winter has passed, and it's spring now. So, in the spring, his dad finally looked into it. So, to me, that's kind of sketchy. And maybe his dad has something to do with taking the money too, which I don't want to speculate or, you know, say bad things about this man. But it just seemed fishy because the is supposed to be from the hood and supposed to know how things go um, in the hood. So, if your son is telling you, your oldest child at that. So your, your firstborn is telling you that, hey, that 1.5 isn't accounting for uh, Mr. Foster. He's he, he probably using my money for his own gain in the fall, which October, November. And you don't do anything about it until... Sorry, I some technical difficulties, but I'm back. Um, like I was saying, if you tell your father that hey um, 1.5 million dollars of my money is unaccounted for and I think that Mr. Foster is either took my money or he's doing something with my money for his own benefit in the fall I would think that your dad would take care of it if that's his man's he would find out what's going on he wouldn't ignore it until the spring which is currently now and that makes the verbal ball seem sketchy. That 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 looks kind of sketchy. But again, I'm not gonna speculate. I'm just saying that it looks kinda of sketchy. It looks kinda of sketchy. Okay, and before I get out of here, um I was uh listening to Aaron Foster's podcast. If you guys don't know anything about it, it's called Now What? Really good podcast. And he had Martellus Bennett um uh, on there, and they were talking about his imagination agency and different things in football and what have you. Um, I know Martellus Bennett, been know Martellus for a while. Um, funny guy, weird funny guy, but of course that weird funny stuff has got him to his imagination agency. But one of the things, or actually two things, that really stood out to me uh about that them going back and forth talking on the Now What podcast is Martellus was saying um one he went to China and after being in China for a little while he realized that Americans don't love what they do they just do what they do and it got me thinking like a lot of times when you know you ask your friends How's their job and things of that nature? They never tell you they love what they do. They just do it and they just make money and they just pay their bills, take care of their family, save money, whatever it is. It's 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 rare that you find someone who actually loves what they do. What they do. And Martellus Bennett played the NFL, and he said that after his first three seasons. I want to say he played, I don't know know how many seasons he played, but he said after his first three seasons, he was on autopilot. He said he never loved the game of football. It's just something that he did. And me being a consumer and just watching the NFL games and paying so much attention to fantasy football and watching these guys play, you would think that based on the the notoriety they're getting, uh, the endorsements they get, the money they get from playing in the NFL, that they would love what they do. But in actuality, they don't. And that's weird to me. It's not weird, but it, just, it was just an eye-opener for me. And then, um, so, hey, I challenge you guys, you guys to find something you love and do it. Don't be afraid of failing and don't be afraid that things may not go as planned or people won't back you. Just go after what you love. So if you love something... It won't feel like work anyway, so just go and do it, right? And the second point, uh, the second eye-opener I got from that interview was Martellus was saying um, he doesn't understand, and it made me think, too, he doesn't understand why in the African-American community parents, in a sense, kind of force their kids to play sports or just automatically put them in sports. Instead of doing different things academically, it's always um sports and I can attest to that because uh my oldest son plays baseball and basketball, and I put him in both but i've never i haven't tried to put him in anything that's academically enriching, which I, I wouldn't say it's good or bad, but it's just something to think about um He says that a lot of these kids that are out here, they're doing these different sports and thinking they're going to make it in these sports, can't even read. So he's, with his imagination agency, he's just trying to give um, the African American people something to um, like look into and have something to look forward to. Um, They have like uh, black protagonists in his in his uh stories. Um uh, so he just telling stories. Um and he's saying that you know when Black Panther came out, uh a lot of the Caucasian people would be like, hey, you know Wakanda isn't real, right? And he would tell them, you know that Hogwarts isn't real either, right? But if you use your imagination and you get you use Wakanda as an escape you know, one day there may be a what kind of because they created a Hogwarts. So that's just some things that kind of like open my eyes to some things. Um again, that was uh Arian Foster's Not What Podcast. It's one of the one I subscribe to and uh listen to a lot. He had Martellus Bennett on there. Um so yeah, uh, until next time, you guys be blessed and be safe. Talk to you guys later.